Disturbing Interest is a Horrible Histories, Terrible Mysteries podcast. The past and, unfortunately, the present are very explicit places. Listener discretion is advised. If you like Disturbing Interests, please remember to rate us and leave a comment. We appreciate you spreading the word. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Tell your priest at confession. Tell it to your parole officer. Tell a rival gang member. Just shout it into the wind and let the pigeons carry our voices into the void. Remember, your likes and shares are crucial to our survival. Welcome back to Disturbing Interest, everyone. I'm Regina King, your evil queen, and sitting next to me is not my ever-lovely partner. It is my ever-handsome life partner, Mr. Meow. I am here of my own free will. You say that like I tied you down against your will or something. There were papers signed. So, obviously, I don't have your docent of darkness with me today, and that is because last week, when we were supposed to release, I had laryngitis. Let me tell you what, you can't really do a podcast when you have laryngitis, now can you? Probably not, no. And, um, so, of course, I want to go ahead and deliver my story to you that I did, my little book report here that I did for you lovely people out there, but um, I need some color commentary, so I may or may not have forced my ever wonderful partner to be here. Anyway, life happens. So, I know that Lynn brought you the amazing horror in horror movies, the death on film, so to say, and uh, now I am bringing you a Halloween special a couple of days after Halloween, and you guys know me. I'm over here doing all this research, don't know what story I want to do, so I started off with my research on the Candyman, you know, the man that almost killed Halloween and ruined the handmade candy apple treat and the nice old lady down the street made for all of us and my mom refused to let me eat when I was a child. Yeah, yeah, that guy. There was minimal risk of horrible death to that candy apple. Back when, I remember when the movie went back when we were kids. It, it didn't really scare me, but it was really unnerving and kind of creepy. Oh, no, not the movie. Well, I know, but the Candyman movie? Well... Yeah, this has nothing to do with the Candyman movie, though. It, oh, no. I No, I was talking about the actual Candyman. You don't know who he was? There's somebody who is the Candyman in real life? Yes. Oh, he my God. almost killed Halloween. What? Yeah, he poisoned his son with a poison pixie stick. That would do it. Yeah. Uh, he was a terrible, terrible person. So on the day I was about to start the research, I decided not to because it has been done so frequently this Halloween season. So um, I then made the choice to find another story. And while I was researching the next topic, I came across this gem of a story and could not pass it up. I full on did like a serious Scooby-Doo moment where I was just like, have to figure that the fuck out. I had never heard of it. It's okay, Jake. Right? I needed a Scooby snack. I needed an adult. <laughs> so, my sources are mainly internet-based on this uh, story. A few websites and then a few old news reports from the Toronto Star and the Toronto Telegram. So, if you guys out there want to read more about it, that is where I would start into looking. But I am doing a quick story of the 1945 Toronto Halloween Riot. 45, so like 
the end of World War II? Yes, actually, right after World War II, and I think that has a bit to do with this. So on September 2nd, 1945, that was one of, yeah, that was the end of World War II. It was one of the greatest days in world history, and what the world couldn't have anticipated, though, was that the following month on Halloween, everyone would lose their goddamn minds, and not yes, just in Toronto. I want to do on Halloween, I mean, woohoo! right? You've just gotten back from war. Or maybe you're young and thinking that that's where you're going to go. You're going to become a soldier. And all of a sudden, your future is taken away from you. Don't go, daddy. Don't go. So, New York saw fires and violence. Not terribly shocking. I mean, you can say that now. As did many other large cities. And uh, mischief was expected. It should have been expected. However, no one expects shenanigans like those from our neighbors to the north, right? I don't know. I mean, you further north you go, people get a little interesting. That's a lot of darkness. Or a lot of sun. Or a lot of sun. So, on October 31st, 1945, a large street party filled a section of Queen Street East in the beaches. In several of the articles that I read, it stated that the group started gathering at Hugh Beach but the actual newspaper clippings didn't reference that, so I don't know what is true on that front. The crowd started to swell into thousands as it was growing considerably more wild as the evening carried on. That's a lot of people. Right? Thousands. I mean, that's a big-ass party, street party. Can you imagine that happening today? Unplanned. Unplanned? No, but it sounds a lot like Mardi Gras, huh? Mm Mm-hmm. It does. Yeah, it does. And no, I doubt there were less boobs. Oh, that's a very good point. Yeah. It's a colder climate. Mm. Mm. So they started large bonfires, though, because colder climate. Keep the boobies warm. Who knows? Mm-hmm. And maybe that's it. They wanted boobs, bonfires. Bonfires equal boobs. That's what we're taking away from this story. Mainly teenagers, though, some young people, and eventually the police were called to disperse the mob. Good luck. <laughs> right? However, instead of the the massive crowd packing in and going home like you would expect from a bunch of 1940s teens faced with the authority, they channeled their inner 60s rebel and decided instead to fight the fuck back. So the number of people kept growing until one of the police officers there numbered them. He should have, because really they had the numbers, because he numbered them around 7,000. Ooh, that's a big party. That's a big crowd. So I have some questions, though. The most prominent on the list of what the fuckery is how did a group... (laughs) What the fuckery? How did a group of 7,000 gather that quickly in a time before Facebook? I mean, they didn't have text. Are you telling me that people were actually expected to speak to one another? And that's like 7,000 people that spread the word. You can see people driving by, hey, Tom, 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 stop. What are those people doing? Ah, let's get out and find out. Party time. Yes, join. Oh, 7,000 people on the road, though, just joy cruising. That's like L.A. in the middle of the day, except for fun. And then 45, I mean, that's like people driving by stopping just everybody stops not like every third car every fifth car no everybody's stopping to join this party yeah yeah but i suppose those in those years that's pretty much what you do i mean you don't exactly go home and plop down and watch tv if there's the, before internet way before internet i mean 
not even a lot of people want cars right around then. I don't know. Personally, I think that the time we have now with fucking Facebook needs to be dialed back to, like, MySpace. <laughs> anyway, so the crowd kept growing. And they were setting huge bonfires in the middle of the fucking street, blocking streetcars, and I imagine scaring the hell out of the property owners. They tore down fences and bust up other personal items to feed the flames. How pissed would you be? I mean, seriously, how pissed would you be if some guy just, like, walked over, broke down your fence, and there was a fire in your front yard? I'd be fuming. Ha. In fact, they even poured gasoline down the streetcar tracks, then lit them on fire. What I am telling you, though, about all of this is they were a pyromaniac's wet dream that night. So these fire crazy nuts even erected blockades so fire trucks couldn't gain access to the streets and point, uh, put out the blazes. <laughs> Super safe. Super safe. That sounds so smart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they couldn't get away with that in California. Ooh, too soon. Sorry, California. Really, we're, you're our home state. We love you. Anyway, it didn't take long before the man stepped in and did what it does best by beat down the little guy. Oh, you mean coming in and just screwing everything up? Kind of, sometimes. This time, I mean literally. Um, however, in the case, in this case, I think that these 7,000 fire starters needed a bit more of a beat down for the safety of the public. I mean, we were just talking about California. So the police rode in on horseback and began clubbing the crowd, trying to get them to back down and go the fuck home. Eventually, the police ended up arresting two of the teens. 7,000 people. They arrested two. two teenagers the rest of them they just clubbered maybe because out of 7,000 they were the worst maybe because somebody had to be an example dang with giant bonfires to be the two worst they had to have been like Mary and Pippin taken off with a firework they had to be pushing people in the fire <laughs> yeah Ugh. anyway at this point I doubt we'll ever know what made these two the lucky ones but seriously, the likelihood of, of just randomly being one out of two picked out of a crowd of 7,000 is very slim. I kind of hope that they turned into a story that started with the phrase, remember that one time that we got arrested for inciting a riot and flashing the cops our twig and bush or something like that? A. Well, they might have responded very negatively to being clubbed by the cops. That would be where they flashed them the twig and bush. Berries and all. That would get you arrested by a Canadian cop, I think. I hope the bonfires did the trick and, you know, avoided that one. <laughs> anyway. I felt emboldened to do so. I mean, I know it's really cold out, but I didn't know. No. Anyway, the cops drove off with the kids, only enraging the mob further. Well, then somebody had the even brighter idea and called out, Let's go free them! The rest of the mob thought this was a superb idea. You know, because of the phrase mob mentality. Yes. A person can be very, very smart. You put a whole bunch of them together, the intelligence goes down exponentially. Damn Skippy, it does. A mob mentality and rational, clear thought don't exactly go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. So the crowd marched to the police station on Main Street, chanting as they went, Lock him up! 
lock him up. Oh, I'm sorry. No, that was someplace else, wasn't it? Sorry. Yep, yep. A little different. Release them! Release them! The entire time, they were throwing rocks at windows, and thankfully, instead of lighting more fires, they turned on fire hydrants and flooded the streets. Many fences and shoes both died that night, the helpless victim of teenage angst. So the mob was determined to storm the police station, and the police and firemen gathered, realizing that they couldn't club them into submission, and used a method that we would see frequently used about a decade later in the U.S. Fire hoses. Hmm. That's just cold and wet. Well, also very forceful. Yeah, they just knock your ass right over there. Yeah. So you're reeling down the street. Mm-hmm. As some of the videos from the 60s where people were marching for free rights will show you. So spring That's the... a hard video to watch. I've seen some of those videos. They're, they're not easy to watch. No, those they're terrible. So spraying a fire hose on a mob will diffuse it pretty damn fast, though, especially when they're just a bunch of angsty teens. However, this mob decided to fight back by throwing rocks and other chunks of debris. Like every other mob gathering movie you've ever seen where they throw stuff at the cops and yeah, that's how that goes. The police captain at the time is even quoted as saying... I never saw so many rocks and pieces of concrete flying through the air at one time. It literally took every single police officer in the city of Toronto to rush to the Main Street Police Station, where they then had to hose, club, and arrest many people until the crowd calmed the fuck down and went home. And all of this was orchestrated by another crime happening on the other side of the city, and it was done as diversion. Ah, yes, that's the reality of what happened here. Some major crime happened, like a giant bank heist or, or diamond theft happened across town. They needed to clear the town of officers. They made off with $7,000, which was a dollar per person. Mm-hmm. It's all coming together now. In the shadow of the riot, with the cleanup and court proceedings, one question was asked more than any other. What was the Halloween riot all about anyway? The answer, a resounding silence. That's right. To this day, no one knows what started it. No one? No one. Not a soul. Not a soul. My goodness. And I doubt we will ever find out considering... Impromptu party time, huh? I guess that is how the Canadians party. When it's going to be a Canadian party, it's going to be a lit party. Like when they burnt the White House? Oh. (gasps) And on that note, folks, take care of each other. And remember, fire equals boobies. And you might be disturbed. And you're not alone. Thank you for listening, friends. Remember, if you would like to reach out to us, you can find us on Facebook at The Disturbing Interest Podcast, Twitter at podcast underscore DI, Instagram at DI Podcast. You can find us online at disturbinginterest.com, or you can email us at disturbinginterest at gmail.com. Our P.O. Box is 70515, Seattle, Washington, 98127. Remember to rate, like, and tell your friends, and we'll talk at you soon.